0: This is Cast Extra. Hello there. Welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always with James from gonna Blog. Good morning, James. Good morning. How are you doing? I am all right. How are
1: you? I'm very well. Mm. I'll be honest, I woke up this morning. You know, when you wake up and you feel like the only way, you, the only way you could possibly have slept is if you slept in some sort of torture device where they've been mangling your back. Mm. And it, there's no serviceable explanation for why, but you wake up as if everything's all crunched up and yeah. broken.
0: I, I have that feeling, but aside from that, I'm good. Aside from that, you're all right. That's good. That's good. Apart from the searing, terrible pain, everything is okay. Exactly. Just another day. Just another day. Uh, What about yourself? Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Had a nice weekend. Went to see Adam Buxton do his David Bowie thing last night here in Dublin, which was great. Yes. Fantastic show. Yeah. So uh, if anybody in the uh, in the UK is uh, around, I don't know if he's doing any more over there, but it's still a great show. And he's a very funny man. He is. Mm-hmm. Very funny indeed. Yes. So that was it. Uh, apart from that, uh, you know, just the usual football, um, football, 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 and some football over the weekend. Yeah,
1: that's it. I mean, that's the thing about a Saturday lunchtime kickoff for an Arsenal game. It really feels like it means the weekend's kind of full, you know, from, from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, with football action. Yeah. being hot. Yes. Football action.
0: <laughs> I watched quite a bit because I had a lot of work to do after the game on Saturday, and... Mm. Um ended up watching the Liverpool game while I was tapping away on my computer. Uh, so watched them uh, draw against Southampton. Uh, and, uh, yeah, watched Match of the Day the other night until such time as I sort of fell asleep and had to go to bed. So I have a little bit at the end of Match of the Day to pick up on. But, yeah, it was all good. It was all good. Um, I mean,
1: was it all good? I mean, I have to say, you know, the Arsenal match, I didn't enjoy... I mean
0: 89 minutes of it particularly (laughs) I get that I get that you know I'm in a weird I'm in a weird place about this um, about this game and this result and the analysis of it and the I I suppose in one way what it's done is it sort of sparked a bit of debate and a bit of um, uh, discussion about the team and and there are various things obviously that we'll touch on uh, as we go through the podcast but let me put it to you like this Mm. if I was to say to you given our record at Old Trafford over the years, given the fact that it's an early kickoff on a Saturday morning, given the fact that we have some injuries to players like Hector Beller and Sandy Cazorla, Alexis Sanchez is coming back from a long trip away with uh, with Chile. He's got a hamstring strapped up to be Jesus. Um, all of that uh, after an interlude where we've had just one training session. If before the game I had offered you a draw... Would you have taken it?
1: Yes, probably. Mm. Yes, probably. And I, I, funnily enough, I thought it was a game that was always quite likely to be a draw because it, it struck me as one that really, you know, Mourinho wouldn't want to lose. I mean, I know he was very close to winning it, uh, but, you know, he tends to sap his teams relatively conservatively in these big games. It felt like one that we might struggle to win. So it, I wasn't massively surprised by the actual end result and not massively disappointed by it. I think. I suppose it's about the broader context, isn't it? I think that the, the the North London Derby was similarly not a poor result, but a poor performance and a slightly underwhelming result. So I think kind of two of those in succession maybe has contributed to some of the mm. the gloom and over-analysis that's occurred off the back of this game.
0: Right. So it's more about performance than result. Is that fair to I say? I think so. Yeah, right. I think so. Right. Because you know.
1: We're still unbeaten,
0: aren't we? Yeah. Um, apart from the opening day of the
1: season, exactly. Apart from that one. Oh, that one. Uh, but the the draw a draw at Old
0: Trafford in isolation isn't a bad result. True. True. But of course, it's difficult to look at it in just isolation at this closer closer remove. I think in in time, maybe we might look back and say, well, that was actually a, a very decent point. I think you know when you look at when you look at how the result came about. The Arsenal players, I think, are going to be much happier than the Manchester United players, and much more encouraged than the Manchester United players. Despite the fact that uh, United played much better than we did, they had more chances. Uh, I think they, I think they deserved their lead. Their their goal came after a period of of real pressure in the second half. You know, they turned the screw a little bit. There were a series of corners, and it felt like something was coming in the game. So. For them to go 1-0 up, I think it was probably a reward for the way that, that they played. Um, mm. But then to lose, well, to lose two points uh, to get dragged back very late in the game uh, by Olivier Giroud's goal, I think is going to be quite damaging to them. Whereas for us, I think we can, we can probably look at the... The circumstances, and say perhaps the circumstances are a little bit mitigating. Like Old Trafford last year was such a disaster. We we talked about this last year that I think there was probably some kind of, uh, if if not a hangover, uh, you know, some fear, some trepidation. I think that was evident in, in in the way the team was was set up. But Phil Jones said after the game, it felt like we got slapped six nil. That's what he said, and that's how it wow. felt to the to the Manchester United players. Whereas the Arsenal players are going to go, well, fuck. We played poorly today and we still had enough in us to get a result, uh, get a, a draw from that game. And I think if we're looking at the impact of the game on the two teams, I think it's much more positive for Arsenal, despite the fact that we we really did play very poorly. We did, yeah. And I think, you know, if you're looking for explanations to that,
1: I think the, the international break's as good as any, really. I think we, we typically... You know, I, I feel like we we often struggle for the same kind of fluency after the, the players go off all around the world and don't have any time training together. And I think that I saw a couple of United fans, friends of mine on, uh, well, acquaintances on my, uh, <laughs> Twitter timeline saying that describing the result as kind of sickening. And obviously, seeing fans of a rival club say things like that is always somewhat enriching and rewarding. Yeah. And it feels a little bit like something that would
0: normally happen to us. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. We've been the, we've been on the other end of it so many times that um, you can't, you can't do anything other than enjoy it, you know, and, and that's not to say you can't raise questions or have concerns, but I think, you know, when you get that late, late equalizer, it feels amazing. It's like a late winner, but you, you know how crushing it is when the shoe is on the other foot. It's just so disheartening and you feel like, oh God, you know, what's wrong with us? Why, what's wrong with our mentality? I mean, I think if that had been Arsenal leading 1-0 and United scored in the last minute, uh, you know, lots of questions would have been asked, asked about Arsenal's mentality about their ability to to concentrate to hang on you know are we resilient enough all those things I you know I think people would have asked those questions maybe they are asking them about Manchester United I don't know I'm not reading around uh, about what it's like from a Manchester United point of view um, so yeah on, on that uh, you know I think we can we can take the positive and of course we keep that unbeaten run going which I think is hugely important even if we're not playing particularly well at the moment the you know the, the longer we go unbeaten the more confidence we so the more, maybe the more difficult we'll, the, the players will feel it is to to uh, to get beaten. You know that they'll keep going. I mean, what do you think of? Uh, uh, you know, it's a late goal from Giroud. There was a late goal against Southampton. There was a late goal against Burnley away from home. Is is it a pattern? I mean, should, I mean, should on the one hand should we be concerned that we need these late goals, or on the other should we be relatively happy that the team is capable of getting them when we need them?
1: I think it's a bit of both. It's always the same. Whenever you get a late goal, it's that thing of, you know, if, it, if it's happening more than once, it's kind of, well, you've got to praise the resilience of the team and the fact they keep going till the last minute. Mm. You've also got to slightly worry about the fact that they end up in a position where they're, they're desperate enough to have to do that. You know, if you think about our best performances, they tend to be ones where we get early goals and are mm. able to go on and dominate games. But I do think that having gone behind... Relatively late, was it the 70th minute, something like that, that Juan
0: Mata scored? 60, 65 minutes, something like that. I think it was between 60 and 70 minutes anyway. Uh,
1: And there was kind of a a little 15-minute spell after that where it looked, to be honest, more likely that United might double their advantage. Um, And as we entered the last 10 minutes, I couldn't really see anything coming. But the fact that we were able to put something together, I think owes something to the players, also something to the manager who maybe having got his initial selection wrong, certainly improved things with his substitutions. And, and one thing I would say is that I saw a, a Spurs fan, <laughs> again on my social media. An acquaintance. Absolutely in- another acquaintance. acquaintance. An acquaintance. Uh, absolutely infuriated about the number of late goals Arsenal scored this season. So again, you know, I think it's something we should probably take... A measure of satisfaction on, especially if it's pissing everyone else off.
0: Yeah. All right. So look, let's let's deal with that then. Let's deal with the the team selection and the way that he set up the team uh, to play at Old Trafford. You know, on the one hand, having seen what happened there last year, uh, I, I guess a measure of caution was was understandable. Mm. Um, trying to be a bit more defensively solid, trying to add some experience to the team. Um, Alexis got the nod up front, Aaron Ramsey played on the left-hand side of midfield and we had Mohamed Nani and Francis Coquelin in the center of midfield. Um, w- which bit do you think was if we're if we're talking about him getting it wrong, which bit was the most wrong for you? Well, t- to be honest,
1: uh, I think that uh, in terms of the way he played, Aaron Ramsey's deployment on the left seemed like a bit of a disaster uh it's something I thought Arsene would do I thought it was kind of a I thought it was relatively logical I know that it's not a position he knows well but I could understand the rationale but I thought it didn't pan out for Ramsey at all I think it didn't have a good game um nevertheless that, that didn't feel like the area of the pitch where we where we failed to get a foothold, I think that was actually in the middle of the park itself. Now, whether that would have been solved by putting Ramsey in there, uh, I think actually the omission of Shaka was probably the most surprising decision Arsene made. And I actually think it might have been the one that gave us the most problems because while Ramsey didn't perform well on the left, we sort of didn't even get that far most of the time. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I think... Maybe leaving Shakra out was the one. I mean, you know, the the absence of Kazola was obviously talked about and has been talked about a lot in the last few weeks and sadly looks like it's going to continue. And I do think that is kind of the problem to be solved. Without Kazula, what is the midfield formula that that works for us?
0: Yeah. I mean, because when you look at the passing statistics between Elneny and Coquelin, I think they've got 88%, 93% pass completion. Elneny made maybe twice as many passes as Coquelin. You know, they're they're tidy. They're both tidy players Mm -hmm. on the ball. But I think the issue then is that when you need somebody to try and uh, dissect the opposition or to try and find a way through, we don't have that in a central area. And I Ramsey comes in to drift, uh, you know, drift into the middle a little bit. But he was told, I I guess, to stay left as much as possible. He had some work to do with Antonio Valencia, who was really hard to handle. Uh, He played extremely well, I thought. Um, I always remember when they signed him from Wigan, going, "Wow, they're buying a guy from Wigan, and then they're going to play him at right back." But he's been been really brilliant for them, and he is a tough player, a tough opponent, and he gave uh, Ramsey and Monreal a difficult time. But I agree with you about the. About the absence of Xhaka, I think, uh, I think he would have been somebody who could perhaps have made a bit of a difference uh, to, to the way that we played, particularly in the second half when we really, really went off the boil. I thought the first half was relatively even. Relatively, Mm. I know that Czech was the busier of the goalkeepers, of course. He made a couple of good saves. But, you know, it it felt like a a reasonably typical away-from-home performance against a big side where, okay, you've got the first 45 minutes under your belt. You've kept a clean sheet thus far. Now come out in the second half and be a little bit more expansive, perhaps a little bit more ambitious. But we we just weren't able to do that with the personnel that we had. So I think he he, it is the, the big question that he's got at the moment. What is the midfield combination that will really make this team... Tick, uh, and I'm not. I'm not sure if he knows.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think really, we talk about the selection. And what was the big selection? It's, it's all the same. All part of the same question, really, because he he had the option of putting Ramsey in the middle and opted to to put him out on the left hand side. I think. No-one's suggesting that Elneny and Coquelin can't pass the ball or aren't tidy players. I think they definitely are pretty efficient. But Santi Cazorla, you know, we, we wonder why we struggle to replace him, but he's such a special footballer. It's not just the range of passing he has, it's that ability he has to beat a man mm. in the middle of the park, to get away from people in close, confined spaces and suddenly get you out of trouble and away on the counter-attack. That's a pretty unique skill set to replace and not one... I suppose not one that you can expect Arsenal to find a like-for-like replacement for. It's the same for if they lost or You know, there's not necessarily someone who you drop in and it's like, wow, we've solved it. So it's about finding a different dynamic, maybe.
0: Right. Mm. I mean, yeah, which
1: yeah. Is, uh, which, you know, maybe is more to do with getting Aaron Ramsey in a central place. He's such a different player to Cazorla, but he is still a, a, a quality player, nonetheless. And maybe if you if you build around him... I don't know, maybe Austin's loath to do that, thinking that Kazola might not be too far
0: away, but it doesn't sound as if his return is particularly imminent. No, he's gone off to this to see this specialist in Spain um, who's worked with Pep Guardiola, a lot of Barcelona, and Guardiola sent over Kevin De Bruyne and Vincent Kompany to this doctor this season to get them over some injury problems that they were having. Uh, obviously, De Bruyne is back. Kompany, I think, um, was back at the weekend, but but suffered a, another injury. I think it was a head, a head injury, though. Yeah, a head injury. So, yeah, yeah. so nothing like... nothing. Um, too physical, or or to do with his previous problem. So hopefully he can get him back. But in the meantime, we, we have to find a way around it. So w- what what do we do in that regard? I mean, he, it feels like he has to play either one of Coquelin and El Does it, or can he do? Is is Ramsey and Jacka just too out there? Too out there, maybe. Is it though? Uh, I, mean, I mean, just I mean, do, do you miss do you miss the ball winner? Do you miss? I mean. Cockleland does a job in terms of his defensive awareness uh, and his tackling. I thought he made some good tackles. Though, so I did I. Well, there I was, was one. There yeah. was one interception early on where he was really, really switched on. Um, yeah. uh, and I think, for all the criticism that he gets, perhaps as somebody who who stunts the way that we play, we do benefit from the way that he can win the ball back and the way that he tries to press and also uh, just the fact that there's somebody in in the midfield willing to put the tackles in and is more or less defensively minded, even if it looks as if sometimes the instructions that he's got are to play higher up the pitch than we might like. Yeah, I think they are. I think they are. That's partly to free...
1: Free his partner, I suspect, so that they can you know distribute the ball with a bit more space but mm. i I agree that he's important. I really feel like i mean I'm sure we'll talk about this plenty this season, but it is interesting, is it not how how difficult Arsen Wenger seems to find it to accommodate Aaron Ramsey centrally, you know mm-hmm. the guy who that is his, you know, denoted position. It's where he wants to play. But if you think about it, over the last two years, really, it's some. Um, it's something that arsene has been quite loath to do. And uh, I mean, that that's really the the key and the conundrum. As for Shaka, I think Shaka's got every right to feel a little bit disappointed not to have been in the starting eleven. I thought he played pretty well in the last game at Spurs. Um, and and Arsene Wenger gave the explanation after the side I went with. Cochlan and any and Ramsey because of the physicality, you know, they're mm. used to the physicality that Mourinho's teams have. But you would you would say that would be one of uh, Xhaka's strong attributes, right? His, his physical capacity, his strength, his ability to deal with that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, a little bit surprising to see him left out. I I, I don't think he's going to let go of playing Coughlin, Uh which means it's it's down to someone else really to prove they. Can play alongside him. Al Nenny is the guy who's done that the most of the mm. current
0: options, and mm. so seems to be getting the nod on that basis. So, well, let's go back to Ramsey then. If he's not prepared to play Ramsey as a central midfield player, mm. what what does what does that say, or what does the future hold? I mean, I think you know you can be critical of Ramsey for his performance. I, you know, I didn't think he played particularly well on Saturday, but then I don't think anybody did. I don't. I didn't think Ramsey was um, outstandingly worse than anybody else. Um, but he's a guy who's been played out of position. We know he doesn't like playing in the wide areas. He's been asked to do a job there. It's not a job that's necessarily um, difficult, but it's not it's not where he feels he can play his best football. Uh, does he have to give him a run in the center of midfield and see if it can work? And if not, if he's not prepared to play him as a central midfield player, well, is it time to like consider other options? <sighs>
1: Maybe. I mean, you know, it, as I say, it's been some time. I, I think the problem with Ramsey is that really Arsene Wenger would like to play him as a kind of number 10, as a kind of attacking midfielder who's kind of devoid of some of those defensive responsibilities. I think he thinks of him as a player who probably isn't conservative enough to play in that, that two in front of the back four. You know, although we play cockland and Kazola there ordinarily, mm. none of those players is quite as... Prone to getting beyond the striker as, as Aaron Ramsey is, uh, and I suspect that plays into Osprey's in mind. He's got Urzal bombing on. He he just doesn't know if he can afford to have Ramsey doing that too. As for what he should do about that, uh, I don't know. Not playing on the left would be mm. my conclusion after Saturday. Or, or the right. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, I don't. The thing is, I don't. I haven't minded him on the right. I don't think he's. I don't think he's been bad. I think it's. I think his biggest problem there is that Theo Walcott's been really good. I mean, and that's, you know, not necessarily looking like an option. I mean, what what would you do?
0: Would you give him a run in the middle? I think before you make your mind up on a player, you have to give him games in his favorite position. And, mm. and then if he doesn't perform, then you can come to perhaps something closer to a definitive judgment about him. I mean, there's, there's no question that he's a guy who's far from the player we would like him to be or the player that we thought he could be. But at the same time, there are circumstances, there are mitigating circumstances. He has been out injured. He's uh, had injury-punctuated seasons. He's only, what was this, his third or fourth appearance of the season? So, you know, th- he's a guy who's probably still a little bit away from full match fitness. Uh, but I also think when you play a guy out of position, you have to look at his performance in that context as well. Um, so if, if he can't do it in the center of midfield after getting a run of games in there, then OK, we can call time or do whatever, but I would like to see him get a run of games in, in central midfield. The issue is, who is the right guy to partner him? And that's where well, that's the, that we've seen him with Coquelin. It doesn't really work. I don't know if we've seen him enough with El Meni, uh maybe a couple of times. Um, what we haven't seen is Xhaka and Ramsey. But whether that has the, the defensive discipline or bite or aggression that Arsene Wenger wants... Or feels is really important now. The emergence of Caulain over the last couple of seasons, I don't quite know, but maybe, maybe it's worth a try because it's something has to something has to change in the centre of midfield for this team to to work properly. And without, as you say, someone with the craft of Cazorla who's more or less irreplaceable in terms of his own skill set, the two footedness, um, mm. you know, the way that he, the, the skills that he has, the ability to, to, to move the ball left or right because of how good he is with either foot, you know, that, that is more or less irreplaceable. And if that's such a key component of the way that you want your team to play, you can't look at what you've got and say, "Okay, well, that's how that's how we 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 do it. This is the solution." I think you've got to find a new way, and maybe Jacques and Ramsey is the way. It might be a disaster, but maybe it's uh, maybe it's worth a try. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think I think it could be worth a try. It's just a question of whether it's worth a try in a game as massive as the one at home to PSG. If <laughs> Wasim will will gamble that soon, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, that's yeah. tricky one. It is. A, it is well, a
1: tricky we'll come, one. We'll come on to PSG. I guess. What did you make of the the two goals? The United goal first. I mean, who did you hold accountable on on that one from an Arsenal point of view?
0: Well, Theo Walcott held his hand up and said, "Blame me." Uh, for the Ooh. goal, I know some people were pointing fingers at El Meni as well. Um, I mean, Monreal was done a little bit too easily, uh, just switched off very slightly to let Herrera. I mean, I, yeah. I know Manchester United fans love Herrera, but he's just a divy bastard, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's a nightmare to play against. He's oh, yeah. real evil one. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. probably why they like him, actually, yeah, because he's such a cunt. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, look, it was a well-worked goal. The finish was finish was tidy from Mata. I did like the, the the guys on Sky going, oh, that's such a difficult finish. Oh, my goodness. I can't tell you how difficult that is. To... It was a fucking square ball that he just had to side foot into the bottom corner of the net. What are they talking about? If it was some <laughs> kind of fucking piece of wonderful skill, I mean, it was a good finish. You know, but come on. This is a fucking professional football. So it was a good, it was a good goal um, from a United point of view, a sloppy one from an Arsenal point of view, and it just shows you that when you when you switch off defensively, then you know you can you can get punished very very easily. And I think we did. A couple of players guilty of switching off, and United exploited that. But it also came, as I said, after a period of a fairly intense United pressure um, that we couldn't. Again, you, you might uh, you might ask if if we had something better going on in midfield, might we have been able to, you know, just take the sting out of their uh, their period of pressure, but yeah, what, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I, I basically agree I thought Monreal switched off, and I thought probably Coquelin and El Nerny could have been a bit sharper and more aware of matters. run I was slightly surprised by Theo Walcott uh, sort of coming out and saying it's my fault I mean, I, I could kind of see what he meant, but it kind of felt like a, a bit of a, an undue couple but if, if he's going to say, you know if he's going to take responsibility for all sorts of defensive things, I guess that's something we've got to praise. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, it wasn't a great one for us to concede, but it had been coming, and I was thoroughly unsurprised when it hit the net. But I must say, uh, at the other end of the field, mm. I, I, I really enjoyed our goal.
0: Yes, Yes, I mean, like you said at the start, credit to the manager for the substitutions. There's uh, some questions and stuff about substitutions, which we'll get to in the second part. But uh, you know, he did he did make the changes. I thought perhaps a little bit slow, but as I said, we'll come to that. Oxley Chamberlain, mm. are right back. Um, it was very funny. Uh, did you see the the post match interview with Mourinho? I didn't actually know. He he pretty much. Um, blamed Rashford uh, for that because Oxley chamberlain uh, ghosted past him. You know, fresh legs. Rashford had been playing the whole game. And uh, Mourinho said, yeah, it's normal. Chamberlain is a fresh guy, you know, against a guy who everybody says should be playing every minute of every game. (laughs) And he's like, oh, you fucking cunt. He really is. Um, But, I mean, what a a great cross. And what a fantastic header from Olivier Giroud. I mean, the timing, the jump, Everything was absolutely perfect. I think he gave a great big shout because there was was going for it and then just ducked at the last minute. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, yeah. it was a, th- a real thumping header. I love a header like that. So do I. Yeah, Keeper got no chance there. And uh, First
1: of all, brilliant piece of play from Oxlade-Chamberlain. I think putting him on a right back, you know, probably raised a few eyebrows, but worked a treat there. He sort of did what Valencia had been doing the whole game Yeah, uh, for United. And across... Really, as good as the one he produced at Sunderland for Alexis Sanchez. So, mm. I think, you know, everyone's asking for Oxlade Chamberlain to produce goals and assists, and that is what he's now doing. Yeah. Uh, as for Giroud, brilliant header. What did you make of the celebration or lack thereof from Giroud?
0: I thought it was a, a guy who was frustrated not to, to be starting the game. Mm. Um, I know that mm. there's. You know, maybe some part of him might have gone, well, oh, I played poorly here, got out of jail a bit. I'm not going to run around uh, and, you know, celebrate like I've scored the winner in an FA Cup final or something like that. But you would have thought that when you score a late goal like that, there's there's a lot to be really, really happy about. I don't know if you saw Alexis. He's like jumping all over his back. He couldn't be any happier. And Giroud is just sort of completely chilled. He's almost emotionless. And we know that he's an yeah. emotional guy. I've never seen him not celebrate a goal. Ever. Yeah, I don't think that
1: thought of, oh, we didn't play particularly well, that feels a bit sort of considered for that moment when you've just scored a last minute equaliser. Do you know what I mean? I think that it's mm. sort of, I think it's more likely to be a frustration and. You know, maintain disappointment. I think he probably felt like he'd made his point. It certainly felt like that the way he powered that ball beyond the goalkeeper that he was trying to make a point. Absolutely brilliant, towering header. Yeah. And uh, it it must be frustrating for him because he must sense, I mean, frankly, if Arsen Wenger's prepared to play Alexis when he's only got one hamstring, it, it tells you something.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, it's not necessarily uh, a slight on Giroud that he's picked Alexis. I mean, I think we could all understand why he picked Alexis because of the way that he's played this season and because of the way the team has played this season with Alexis uh, at centre forward. But yeah, I mean, he's a guy who's contributing. Uh, Arsene Wenger said afterwards he's angry in a positive way and then says, I'd say he's more determined than angry. He said, I have a lot of respect, not only for his quality as a footballer, uh, but for the man. The best answer he can give is always to show what he did today. So it was a message. You know, he's come off the bench. um, Was it at Sunderland and scored uh, a couple of goals? Um, This is another game where he's come off the bench and scored. I mean, I don't think he started a Premier League game yet this season. And we are, look, it's the 21st of November. I know he's had some injury issues. um, And that's been a frustration for him. But, you know, from going uh, from the guy who was the... I guess, first choice center forward pretty much week in, week out to somebody who's now being viewed as perhaps a super sub or somebody who can only make an impact from the bench. Uh, It must be frustrating for him. And again, like you say, frustrating when when Alexis is clearly not 100 percent fit that he he still didn't pick him. But I mean, I wasn't surprised. I thought the fact that Giroud is capable of making an impact from the bench uh it's obviously a positive thing for us, but not necessarily a positive thing for him when it comes to his chances of starting games, because to have that option on the bench is, is very, is a very good thing uh, for, for the manager, because he knew that, well, look, if, if something goes wrong with Alexis, or if something goes wrong with the game, I've got a guy who I can bring on here, who is capable of getting me a goal. Whereas, yeah. you know, without that, without having that option on the bench, you sort of slightly weaken your, your hand. So I, st- I saw a
1: stat this morning, Olivier Giroud, now the highest uh, goal scorer coming off the bench in Arsenal's Premier League history. Yeah. Uh, He's got ten goals in the Premier League, having come on as a substitute. Right. Uh, Not not a bad record. Would he hazard a guess at who's joint joint second uh, with nine?
0: Coming off the bench?
1: Yeah. In... In the Premier League. In the Premier League. In history. Or yeah, going back to the start of the Premier League, yeah.
0: Robert Perez?
1: Robert Perez, I think, is at around about seven. Not with nine in second place, you've got Carnu. Oh, wow. He's yeah. something of a super sub himself. And, somewhat surprisingly, Nicholas Bentner.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: There you go. It's interesting that. It, I wonder if that tells you something. I don't know. But those are three quite tall guys who were fairly decent in the air i wonder if it tells you something about the way arsenal approach games in the latter stages or do you know what i mean like is there something to be said for
0: bringing on that kind of striker? sure i mean i think so i think so because you know when you do i mean look at what united did which i thought was really interesting well not interesting they brought matter off and schneiderlin came on and they immediately got 10 11 men behind the ball so they invited the pressure. And I, I know that that's the way that football goes, that when a team is is uh, seeking, a, seeking a goal in the last stages of a game, they tend to put pressure on. And as the, the team defending the lead, it's natural to sort of fall back and, uh, and try and do that. Um, but, yeah, it does play into the hands of a team that's going to get if you can get wide and get crosses in. This is what can happen, yeah. So it seems to sort of fit with the natural rhythm of a game or or, or uh, the way that a game like that is going, bringing on a guy like, like Giroud. So look, credit to Certainly him.
1: Certainly for Arsenal, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it's that classic plan B thing, isn't it? Have yeah. you got a plan B? And the the problem for him is that he's such a brilliant plan B. Um, mm. that it's, it's almost hard for him to, to reclaim his place as plan A because he's doing yeah. quite so well in the in the opposite role.
0: All right, well, look, the league table. Chelsea went top um, with their win at the weekend. I've forgotten who they were playing. Um, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, player, that's right.
1: Had yeah. got draws against us and City, but mm. quite against Chelsea. They, uh, Chelsea feel... Oh, well, it's Diego Costa seems to be scoring every week I, I, I sort of, yeah, you know, I'm infuriated by it there
0: you go. <laughs> uh, yes he is uh, he's in good form isn't he I was listening to that one yeah. on the radio uh, Liverpool uh, in second place on 27 Manchester City on 27 we're then in fourth uh, on 25 points Tottenham in fifth 24 points fourth Ooh, you say uh, fourth <laughs> yes indeed there's a long way to go James it's only one yes, quarter I of the know. season gone there's still 75% of the games to go but look you know it's tight it's, uh, it's tight. Um, it's tied up there. there's only three points between us and Chelsea uh, there's a there's a long way to go and I think you know the fact that we've remained unbeaten since the opening day of the season is is a positive thing. Um, and even if the last couple of games haven't gone the way we would have liked, I think it's much more positive this season than it has been you know this is a, a bit of a dip in form and hopefully we can turn that around on on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think you know I, you're absolutely right because it has been a difficult. Difficult run, and does it get a little bit easier for us in the Premier League now? I'm just thinking, you know, we've got Bournemouth at home, West Ham away, Stoke at home, mm. Everton away, City away. I suppose it's not too easy, is it?
0: No, it's <laughs> not, but it's it's a little less intimidating. I mean, West Ham have been poor this season. Bournemouth, you would fancy us to to beat Bournemouth at home. Stoke, um, Stoke at, boring, at home, have they? yeah, exactly. You know, Stoke at home is a, a game that's traditionally uh, one that we take maximum points from. Um, Everton away, you know, Everton is a tricky place to go, but again, they have been not quite as good as everybody thought they were going to be under Ronald Koeman. Um, not, not that they've True. hit a roadblock, but, you know, yeah, it's it's certainly a bit, uh, a little bit easier, but that's not to say it's going to be easy. So, um, you know, again, over the Christmas period when these games come, you know, points and the table can move very rapidly because there's so many games uh, happening so often. So, so we need...
1: A win on Wednesday, do we really? I mean, uh, I forget, actually. Do we need a win, or would a draw do us okay? I'm not sure. I need to look at the the Champions League table.
0: If we drew 1-1, we would top the group. Right. I think. Well, that's not too bad. I think. No. It would depend, then, on the final games.
1: It would depend on the final games, of course, which our final game is a trip to Basel.
0: Mm. Uh, Whereas... PSG will be playing Ludogorettes somewhere
1: or other. So you would you would imagine that they would win
0: that one. Yeah, but if we drew 1-1 with PSG, that would mean that the two teams are level on head-to-head. And I think our goal scoring, our goal difference is much better than theirs. It's so
1: because of our because six of the nil 6-0. The
0: so chances are we would... Yeah, I think 1-1 would pretty much see us top the group unless uh, PSG did something bananas in their, in their final game. Uh, but we, oh, we might we might uh, take a question or two about the PSG game um, in the second part. Will we do that? Sure. But oh. if we win, if we, if win, we to win, we definitely uh, tell then, the group. W- right. Lovely. That would be nice. Mm. So we should just win. I think that's... That, uh, okay. Well, let's do that rather than yeah. aim for the yeah, exactly. The None of these permutations. Fuck that shit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, look, we'll take a short break. We'll be back with questions and more in part two right after this. them. Welcome back to the ArsCast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter, at GunnerBlog and at ArseBlog, and of course on the ArseBlog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the ArseBlog, which is 100% real news. None of that fake bullshit Facebook news that's going on. It's completely real, all of it. 100% genuine. Absolutely. Even the pictures of monsters that live under my bed, they're there. <laughs> um... Let's uh, before we do some questions just remind people that if you want to come to the Arscast extra live uh, this Thursday at the garage in Highbury and Islington there are just a few tickets left so go to myticket.co.uk and search for Arscast and uh, you can join myself and James and Amy Lawrence and Filippo Clare for an evening of Arsenal chat and waffle and, and all the rest it'll be good fun.
1: And it's live. It's live. (laughs)
0: Um, Yeah, so that's it. Check it out. Um, mm.
1: Be lovely. Be lovely. Be great to see a few familiar faces there. And even some new faces,
0: James. New faces. Some
1: new faces. We can finally figure out who all these people asking us questions on Twitter actually (laughs) are. Yes. Very exciting indeed. Very exciting. Uh, Speaking of questions, have you
0: got one for us? Uh, Yes, I have got one. Um, Great. Seeing as we are playing PSG on Wednesday in the Champions League in this uh, in this all uh, crucial clash against PSG, in the Champions League on Wednesday, which is in uh, Champions League, it's, <laughs> it's taking place PSG. on Wednesday. Yeah, it's against. Yeah, yeah, It's against PSG. Just in case. Crucial clash. Mm, very very important Champions League game on Wednesday against PSG. Mm. But- Anyway, a number of people have asked about the starting lineup uh, at Funky Fred and also at uh, Clydeen MacDonald want to know, should we rest Alexis Sanchez for PSG and play Olivier Giroud instead, seeing as Alexis clearly is not fully fit?
1: Yeah, lots of people asking about that, weren't there? Um, Should we and will we are probably different questions, aren't (laughs) Mm -hmm. they? Uh, Arsene Wenger I mean I liked this question from Alex Gale just said is Arsene going to break Alexis again (laughs) Uh, because of referencing last year I guess when he's kind of played into the ground almost and and did his hamstring then I think um, I mean look Olivier Giroud's done done pretty much all he can hasn't he in terms of coming off the bench and making an impact I think he's certainly made his case Um, will will it be in Arsene's mind What happened with Giroud against PSG last time out, where he managed to get himself sent off? I don't know. I I suspect that will be an isolated incident. I think... I think if Alexis can play, he'll probably
0: play, to Mm. be honest. I I don't think Arsenal will shift it up. I I tend to disagree. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Giroud got a start for this game. I think he might want to... Yeah, I think he might want to A be a little bit cautious with Alexis because when you saw the bandages that he's got around his hamstring it's clear that there's a there's a problem there uh, and I understood the selection of him against Manchester United for all the reasons that we we've, we've spoken about but I think there has to be at some point a little bit of caution exercised over a player who's got to be really important for us over the course of uh, the season so i I wonder depending on what the what the uh, the reaction to playing against uh, United was, if there's any doubt about that, I think he might want to tap into this frustrated, this angry, this non-celebrating Giroud, a guy who was always happy with life, even when he was flicking his fingers in dismay and despair. When he scored, it brought him joy, and now it's not bringing him any joy. And that's a sad thing. And I think Arsene Wenger might might want to just sort of go, okay, well, here you go. Have a go from the start against these French people that got you sent off last time. And, uh, you know, maybe try and maybe try and tap into that frustration and get a performance out of him. Because, you know, he's not just a guy who's good as a substitute. He is a guy who can score goals when he starts as well. So I think there's a little bit of a danger of overlooking... Um, the goals that he has scored for us and the way that we have played very well at times when when he has started up top. Um, so I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if Giroud got a start.
1: Well, I mean, let's not forget, he started the last Champions League game uh, away to ludicrous. Maybe he's kind of the, the David Espina of the attacking realm. <laughs> uh, but it, when you say you'd start Giroud, I don't think that's a, a ludicrous suggestion by any means. But what I'd be intrigued to know is whether you would Play Alexis from the left, or would you leave Alexis out entirely?
0: Again, it would depend on the 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 medical side of things and how fit he is. I mean, I would have no problem with playing Alexis on the left if he's fit enough to do that. I suppose right. the worry that you might have then is if if you're playing Alexis from the start and Giroud from the start with without Lucas Perez, without Danny Welbeck, you're leaving yourself light if you need a goal from somewhere, if you need to change things around. We don't necessarily have anyone who can do that. I mean, who is there from an attacking point of view that you could bring on to change? Alex Iwobi, maybe if he doesn't start. After that, we're we're very light. So I wonder if that might play into his thinking a bit. But, uh, yeah, if he's, if he's fit enough, I'd give Giroud a game up front, put Alexis on the left for this one.
1: Okay. And uh, while we're at it, what would you do with the, the rest of the team? Would you keep...
0: Oh, well, around, I'm not being paid £8 million to make these <laughs> fucking decisions, James. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, you know, <laughs> we've got to kind of, fill the podcast. What would so, I do? What would I do? Okay, um, obviously Ospina's going to play in gold, Koscielny Mustafi, I think he'll stick with Monreal. Right back might give him a decision to make. I thought Carl Jenkinson did all right. He looked a little bit nervy at times, a little bit scared at times, but, you know, some of his defensive work was, was really quite good. Um, he seems the, the most natural fit. What's decision?
1: What, who else could you uh, go for in there?
0: Would he consider Matthew Debuchy, who came through, you know, a reserve game uh, last week and scored against Spurs, would he consider him fit enough or ready enough to play in a Champions League game of this this magnitude? I'm not sure that...
1: I think it's too soon. I, think, if it he it. I think it probably is.
0: I think it probably is, but I also think that if he can get himself fit and focused, and and get his head right, that Debuchy is our best backup to Hector Bellerin. Um, yeah. midfield. I think it'll be Coquelin and Zaka. Okay.
1: Yeah, that makes sense, because it, f- sort of freshness from shaka mm. the fact that he didn't play at the weekend.
0: Yeah. Um, Ramsey maybe could be the guy who can change the rhythm of a game from the bench if we need it, if you're starting Alexis and Giroud. So, I, you know, I think it could be uh, Coquelin and Shaka, Walcott on the right, Alexis or Iwobi on the left, Giroud up front, and obviously Masud in, in the centre. Okay,
1: Mm. Strong team. Mm. Still a strong team, even with those Mm. changes. Um, I think it'll be something... Yeah, I think it'll be similar. I have a slight hunch that he would still keep Alexis up top just because, I don't know, I think that's the the shape of the team that he desires. But Mm. you're kind of convincing me on the Giroud thing. I think, you know, when you talk about it, I, I can see that happening too. But if you are going to play Giroud... I wonder if you might then take the opportunity to put Alexis on the bench, have him as the guy who can change it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, much depends on, yeah, on all the those fitness. midfield options. Yeah, yeah and, and the, and fitness, the fitness, fitness as
0: well. And the fitness. If there's, the, if there's real danger of damaging his hamstring, then I think you, you just have to be cautious. But the importance of the game uh, is also a factor when the manager picks his team. You know, can I get a guy through this game? And if he misses the next two, then, you know, maybe they're easier games for him to miss. So it's it's all part of the uh, the juggling act. Um, so there we go.
1: Well, look, this is a kind of a selection question too. It's from Akshat uh, Batnagar. And they ask, uh, why is Shaka not starting? He can create, he's shown he can defend well in the North London derby. Surely he's adapted to the EPL now. Yeah, I mean... It is a bit weird, right? Like when Arsenal yeah. Wenger spent that amount of money on a central midfield player, and and you know I, we don't necessarily know who signed off and quite how much money it was, but Arsenal's usually pretty pretty key on these things. Um, that's what is that? That's sort of second most he's ever spent on a footballer, Mohamed yeah. yeah. pretty much. So you would have thought that guy would be an absolutely nailed on starter and a similar feat to Mustafi, who's played in every single game. So. At this stage of the season, we're into November now. It's not the opening weeks anymore. Mm. It is a little bit odd that Jacques has not been able to nail down a place,
0: is it? Maybe, yeah. I mean, I think we we spoke before the North London derby and said that the manager's team selection in that game would give us a clue as to what he was thinking about Jack or whether he had the requisite faith in him. And, of course, he mm. picked him and he started and he played, played pretty well. He was probably Arsenal's best player on the day. Uh, so I was a little bit surprised, I have to say, that he didn't start at Old Trafford. Uh, and I think maybe with hindsight, the manager would do it differently. Um, he really wanted to be secure. He wanted to have two uh, two defensive midfielders in there. I don't think he can really play Xhaka on the left. You know, he's not that mobile to play on the left-hand side, whereas Ramsey is a, a much more mobile player. Um yeah. So I do wonder, maybe if by leaving him out, it illustrates how important he might be or how important he should be to the team. So maybe that's part of it. I don't. I don't quite know. Maybe there's. Maybe there is the lesson to be learned. Um, so I'm, it's it's difficult. Obviously, we don't know. He spent a lot of money on him. He's talked up. Uh, his qualities' a lot, maybe there was some worry about him disciplinary um away from home against uh against Manchester united I mean he came on he was on for what ten minutes and picked up a yellow card um yeah, sure. so you know I think he's what a booking away now from from a suspension uh has he got four yellow cards? I must just check this out. He might well do yellow cards boom no he's got three. So he got three yellow cards and a, a red card to his name. So maybe there was, there was something in that, but I think he's got to start him uh against PSG. Um and it, it, he's got to f- uh, find out who's going to who's going to partner him because w- we need somebody who can who can pick those passes from deep because otherwise the midfield just becomes entirely too predictable and and we just don't attack the same way that we 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 want to be able to attack.
1: Yeah, I think that you're right. And I think uh you know as for why he's not playing we touched on it in the first part of the show, but it's, it's a lot about chemistry, isn't it? It's a lot, it's a lot about the fact that it just, it's not a question of him operating on his own. Arsenal has got to find someone who's a cohesive partner for him. Mm. And uh, that hasn't quite happened yet. You know, I think w- we talk about the wealth of midfield options at our disposal, and that's all very well and good, but what the real trick is to kind of separate those into pairs who can dovetail effectively. Yeah, uh, And that's the part that we haven't quite yet
0: masters. Hmm. Okay, uh, here's a question from Magnus Holmberg who wants to know, was Monreal lucky and should it have been a penalty or was it a dive? Well, <laughs> I
1: think he was lucky, actually. I think he was lucky. I think if you put your arm across a player like that, you're asking for trouble. So I I was surprised when a penalty wasn't given there. Let me say, delighted, pleasantly
0: surprised. You too? Oh, absolutely. I was just waiting for the the whistle to go. It looked... I mean, I know it was a bit of a dive and it was a bit of a coming together of the two players. It would have been a very Mm. soft uh, penalty, but at Old Trafford, Arsenal, away from home, like 99% of the time, that would have been a penalty to Manchester United. It was almost it was almost like the uh, the one that Martin Keown conceded against I Solskjaer well. uh, yeah. in, the, in the Invincible season. Um, one of those where you sort of lean into the player and tumble and what have you. Now, I think Valencia was, was light on his feet a bit more than um, Monreal caused him to, to fall down. But just when you looked at it in real time and you looked at the angle the referee had, I was absolutely astonished that they didn't give a penalty. I was really, yeah, was really well. surprised. It was Forland,
1: by the way, not Solskjaer. Oh, Forland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Evil county substitute striker, mm. Manchester United. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I could not. And and to be honest, I don't know if you were watching on uh, Sky, but yeah. I, I was flabbergasted that like the the pundits were saying that they thought the referee got it right. I was like, I can't. I mean, you know, I could see their case, but I. I I thought Gary Neville would surely see that as a penalty for United. Mm. I couldn't believe it, but Mm. there you go. Um, Absolutely got away with that one. And, uh, you know, I think what you've got to look at it is if it happened at the other end, I think you'd be screaming for a penalty, wouldn't you? Sure.
0: Sure. Absolutely. What did you make of. um, (laughs) Yeah. What did you make of Darmian getting away with that tackle on Jenkinson? Was that a second yellow for you?
1: I think it might have been. I mean, that was kind of, for me, uh, I think he could have been booked before he was actually booked. Yeah, there was one well,
0: foul on Walcott, which was really, really cynical, which should have been a booking, and then he got yeah, one a few actu- minutes later.
1: His, his actual first booking wasn't a particularly bad one, as I recall. Mm. He, I remember thinking, well, you're lucky you got away with one earlier than that. Uh, I think he could have gone. I think, I know it shouldn't matter, but I genuinely think that the home-away dynamic really does influence things like that yeah you know I, I remember the first booking of the game who was it it was an Arsenal player um, Alexis maybe yeah yeah uh, uh, and it was literally two minutes after a, a worse challenge had gone in for a United player that had gone unpunished and uh, you know it's that thing where I do think sometimes the crowd and, and the ambience can have a sway on that mm. sort of thing so Damien I thought was a little bit lucky but after the Montreal thing I wasn't in any mood to gripe about it <laughs> all
0: right I think it's your question
1: what is my question let's have a look um oh this is from richard franklin who's at the real bearsky on twitter and they ask is iwobi's loss of form and lack of replacement the biggest reason for our change in performances
0: no i don't i don't think so but obviously when iwobi is playing well i think he adds something to the to the team that that n- none of the other wide players really do um yeah. I I feel like with a Wobi, uh, maybe I'm alone here, but I feel like to a certain extent he's playing within himself. Like there's, th- there should be just a bit more aggression or self confidence about him. I think he's still, Is that his
1: youth. Do you think?
0: Yeah, I think it's his youth and relative inexperience and, and the fact that he feels maybe a little bit deferential. Um, you know, he, he seems a very grounded, humble young man, and he's going, well, here I am in the Arsenal starting 11. And I know he's been in the team for quite a while now, but, you know, it, it takes a while to really, really feel part of it. Um, so I think sometimes there's just a little bit of timidity to the way that he plays, where if he was a bit more forceful, um, he, he would he would produce a lot more. Um, but I don't think that's the the main reason why... The, the performances haven't been as good of late. I mean, I think if you have him contributing, it would help. But there are other factors. Uh, you know, the quality of the opposition has changed uh, over the last number of weeks as well. When you've got a North London derby, which is always a game with a very special, intense pressure. And then you're going away to Old Trafford after the interlal, et etc. et cetera. Um, I don't think his absence is, is that. But I think it's been interesting that he's, he's he took him out of the firing line a little bit. Um I had sort of thought that he might start him at, at Old Trafford, um, but obviously went, to, went a different way in terms of how he, he viewed his team. Uh, yeah, He's got I, a I,
1: chance against PSG, I guess, hasn't he? He's got a chance of yeah, playing that game.
0: sure, sure. But I mean, we did speak over the last couple of weeks about maybe just taking him out of the firing line, give him... A couple of games from the bench, maybe just let him refocus, take some of the pressure off him, uh, and and send him back in again. With I won't say the hunger built up, but when you've been out of the team for a couple of weeks, then you're you're just sort of you redouble your efforts or you're refocused on on the job that you're supposed to do. Um, so yeah, I mean he he hasn't played quite as well as he did towards the start of the season and at times last season, but I feel like he's a guy who's who's capable of making a step forward. And it'll be like a kick. It'll be like a turbo boost kind of a thing. It won't be, I don't think it'll be slow. I think something will happen with a that will sort of propel him forward. So whether that's a big goal or a big performance in a big game, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but I feel like that's, that's the next thing that's going to happen to him. And after that, I think he'll, he'll really kick on.
1: Yeah, I mean, a goal wouldn't go amiss, would it? A goal could certainly be the thing. Um, Yeah, if he comes on to get the winner against PSG, maybe that'll be the catalytic moment Mm. right there.
0: All right, Uh, this one comes from a couple of questions here sort of related. This one from Fred Thurbin at RLF86. And he says, people talk about early subs. How early can you make a substitution? Is there anything to be gained from halftime substitutions? And at John O'Louis. Who is at Layout or die on Twitter says, I was crying from minute 35. Oh, to move Alexis to the left. Not actually crying. He wasn't <laughs> crying. Uh, I was crying from minute 35. Sorry, uh, Jono. Uh, crying from minute 35 to move Alexis to the left and bring Giroud on. Why was this obvious solution not sought in time?
1: Interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I have never seen, to my knowledge, Arsene Wenger make a strategic substitution in the first half of a game. Hmm. I I mean it's an unusual thing anyway in football but there are some managers who do it. It always feels a little bit bombastic when they do a little bit like it's sort of, you know, self-consciously like look at me, look at me, what a what a uh, strategist I am. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mourinho is someone who's done it on more than one occasion. And didn't he didn't he do it
0: to Matić or somebody like that or he put Matić on as a substitute possibly. and then took him off? And, and Matic said, like the the damage that did to him, as a, in terms of his own confidence, etc., was uh, w- was was considerable. Right? I think there's something humiliating when a player is taken off in the first half. And I don't think, I think, yeah, yeah, I don't think there was any any Arsenal player who was playing that badly, or the team wasn't playing that badly in the first half that you could necessarily justify a first half substitution.
1: No, I think that's true, and I also think Asa Wenger... You know even a half time change is very rare isn't it for mm. him uh, and I think it's because he you know he likes to give the players he's picked the opportunity to change the game now, saying that uh are uh, you know uh, uh, were you frustrated watching the match on on Saturday? Did you feel like changes ought to have been made earlier
0: yes, yes, uh certainly in, uh, as United built up that bit of pressure, I was going, we really need to do something to change. Uh, to change the the dynamic in the team. It was clear, you know, 20 minutes into the second half that we just weren't clicking at all, that we weren't attacking in any significant way, we weren't threatening in any real way, and it felt like something would have or should have changed. So I would have had Giroud on a, a little bit earlier. And uh, I, th- I think it still took him five or six minutes after the goal went in to put on... Mm. Uh, to put on Giroud. I'm just going to check back on the, the live blog here because I've obviously yeah. uh, got it here. So goal United in the 68th minute, 69th minute. And then, yeah, okay, so it was like five minutes after. El Neni came off think- and Giroud came on. So, mm.
1: I, I think what I really felt about that as well, Giroud came on and, and that was something. But, after that point, I felt like we were waiting quite a lot longer for the for other introductions. You know, Xhaka came on and then Oxley chamberlain That was not for a... Oxlade-Chamberlain was in the last 10 minutes, was it?
0: Xhaka came on in the 80th minute for Kakalan and Oxley chamberlain came on in the 84th minute for Carl Jenkinson.
1: So they weren't given a huge amount of time no. to uh, influence the game. I think there was an extent to which when when the game was at nil nil, Arsenal probably felt that that wasn't a terrible result and it always yeah. felt as if he was sort of looking to what we have we hold and I think he had a lot of his better defensive players out on the pitch in fact yeah you know, rather than on the and if, if we
0: can nick a goal then great
1: you know if not then let's exactly. keep the clean sheet yeah yeah so I think he didn't want to destabilize what he perceived as a relatively solid defensive setup with Coquelin and Elneny in front of the back four um, but you know it's a really tricky one because it's not a great It's not a great game on which to criticise the manager for his substitutions, is it?
0: When one crosses for another one to score. (laughs) It's the Uh, timing of them rather than the... I guess the timing of them more than the the, uh, the acts themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we all know Arsene Wenger doesn't make a change until the 67th minute of a game. You know, Mm. that's the earliest he'll consider doing it, really. But I think... It's not like we were two nil down and the game was gone, and you know we needed desperately to change things. We weren't playing well, but it was still very finely balanced. So I can understand him being conservative. I think at that point. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think he was content enough with the with the with the clean sheet that we kept up to that point, um, and maybe didn't want to destabilise it and didn't want to necessarily throw on an attacker and then lose a goal, and I don't know. I felt just in general, in terms of our own performance, in terms of his team selection, in terms of the substitutions, you could sense the the caution from Arsene Wenger that he wasn't necessarily going out all out to try and win this game. It was a game that he much more didn't want to lose than, than to win, Um, well well, look I mean
1: the million dollar question comes from Michael Ross Adamson on Facebook who says why are we always shit at Old Trafford regardless of results we always play badly
0: I think there's clearly a psychological issue at play there there are some grounds that traditionally you don't do very well on Um, I suppose you know if you were to go to the new Camp every season you'd probably be shit there too Um, I'm (laughs) not saying you know there have been some really disheartening displays at Old Trafford over the last couple of years in particular. Um, so if you're playing one of Ferguson's best teams and you have a difficult day at Old Trafford, well, okay, we understand that because he was a brilliant manager and his teams were 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 excellent and won the title uh, more often than anyone else. But when you're facing a David Moyes team that's absolute cack and you end up losing or a Van Gaal team like last season that was absolute cack and you end up losing, then it goes beyond the quality of the opposition for me. And I think that there is something of a psychological barrier, whether it's with the players, whether it's with just the manager uh, or a combination of those things. Um, I think that's playing a part, to be perfectly honest, Um I don't know how you get over that, other than win a game, but maybe or, or change know. all the players and manager. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> that's the other way around. But yeah, I, I think there are just some some grounds where you're you're not very good at, and it, it creates a weight. I mean, it's like Stoke. Like our our record away at Stoke is terrible, but Stoke are shit. Let's face it. Yeah. You know they're even with uh, you know these uh, all these. Uh, good little players that they've got right now they're still not a very good side but our record at stoke is more to do with the weight of history than it is with the quality of the opposition so why are we so shit at old trafford because we are and how do we fix that your guess as good as mine (laughs)
1: <laughs> Maybe taking some confidence from fluking a one-all draw, even though we play really poorly. Mm. Maybe we, that could be a turning point. That last-minute equaliser. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we are definitely, we definitely do struggle there. It was amazing, really, quite how kind of tepid our performance was. Yeah. You know?
0: Um I mean, is that is yeah. that a worry? Because you know, the the North London derby was quite. Passive, we, were, you know, we weren't as aggressive as you would like an Arsenal team to be in the North London derby. And again, at Old Trafford, I, I don't think there was any lack of effort, but we, we did feel a little bit inhibited in terms of the way that we played and the way that we um, com- competed physically. Uh, it, it felt a little bit, little bit um, not, not quite as strong as it could have been
1: yeah I think well, look, I mean they 're not great performances, really in either game uh it's a real it 's a real toss up, isn't it because it 's the performance versus the result. The results are fairly decent um the performance is less so maybe maybe that bit of conservatism maybe mm. that bit of uh is helping us you know maybe we're playing with our with our heads a bit more instead of getting carried away and chasing a game and losing it sure, so you know there's two sides to every coin I think that the PSG game's a big one now. You know, we had three massive games in a row. Uh, we we drew with Spurs, which was a little bit disappointing because we were the home side, but uh, a point at Old Trafford's a, a decent one. If we, can, if we can round it off with a win against Paris Saint-Germain, you'd have to look at this period in November mm. and say we've actually come out of it pretty well.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's a big if, though, you know. It is a big if. if. I mean, PSG have been in pretty good form, have they? I don't know what they've been doing. Did they lose uh, some players to injury this weekend? I think I saw some people talking on Twitter about Angel Di Maria picking up a, a hamstring injury. Um, well, that's always welcome. Yeah.
1: Uh, they beat Nantes 2-0 on Saturday. Oh, anyone uh, could do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, look, it, they we, we, we got lucky in that game, didn't we? It was not a dissimilar performance to mm. the United one. Uh, went behind... Probably we were much worse actually defensively. Cavani could have had about five six goals. Yeah, we? Jesus. Yeah, um, but we snatched we snatched a lateish equaliser from mm. Alexis Sanchez. So, yeah, we need to be better than we were at the Parc de Prance. Certainly. Yeah,
0: we need a big, big, uh, big European night. I think.
1: Yeah, why not? That'd be lovely. Hmm. You'll you'll be there.
0: I will be there. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It, it should be uh, should be a great game. Okay, here's a, here's a question from Tom, who is uh, biggers in Paris. He said, after Oli G's bullet header at the weekend, what are your five favourite headers for Arsenal? Ooh, great question. Mm. Uh, favorite headers? Well, let's just
1: start listing them and then see if we can. Get okay, it to well
0: fire. here's here's one that sticks in my mind. Uh, I know he's not the most popular player. Of all time, I know what it's going to be. Do you? you? think it's David Platt against Manchester United? <laughs> Is that what you're going to say? Yeah. Oh
1: no! When you said not most popular play of all time, I was convinced it was going to be Bentner against Spurs. Oh, no, that
0: was a great one. I love that one where he comes on as a substitute. But I'm talking about the the brilliant three-two game at Highbury um, yeah. in the in the double-winning season when we were we were 2 0 up, weren't we? Anelka and Vieira, and then Sheringham, I think, scored. Maybe two, two goals. I think he uh, did score twice. Did score twice, and then we had a corner. I think it was taken by a left footer. Maybe it was was it Nigel Winterburn? I can't remember. I don't know
1: because it was an outswinger. It yeah. was
0: an outswinger, and David Platt with his big moon shaped fucking forehead. Uh, that header was just like unbelievable into the top looping. corner. Yeah, looping yeah. but spinning and twirling into the into the top corner. That was a great. That was a great header, and the bender one. Is fantastic as well, yeah. What else have we got in terms of headers? Uh,
1: I, do you know what? I I do. He didn't score many, but I think fondly of Thierry Henry's against Manchester United at the Emirates Stadium.
0: Is oh, that the first season of the Emirates? Yeah. Do you remember that? That's right. Uh, uh, a Boue's a cross. Boue's cross.
1: Yeah. cross. And, and that was a late winner, was it not?
0: It was. And that was the weird game when Van Persie, in celebrating that goal, like broke his metatarsal, I think. And was out uh, for, for ages and ages. Maybe it had happened during the game, but I think the story was that he'd he'd done it, um he'd done it while celebrating, yeah. What
1: what was he doing? Was he, doing a, he was running expire, after Henri and a, then Henri
0: sort of turned and he turned and something happened. I don't know. Well, They never got on, did they?
1: So Henri no. probably,
0: probably tripped him.
1: Yeah. Um <laughs> Uh I'm trying to think of others now. There must have been some some good headers scored by uh Defenders down the years, you know the likes of Tony Adams, Sol Campbell. They must have contributed.
0: Well, to yeah, yeah. That well, yeah. <sighs> Let me think. Uh, the Sacker scored a great one, didn't he? Against um, against, against Tottenham. Yeah, that was a brilliant that was his one.
1: First goal for Arsenal, I think. That's oh, what... Bakary Sanya against Spurs. Oh, yeah.
0: I love that goal. I fucking love that. I love how what that goal did to the team that day that yeah. was that was the uh, the ultimate fuck this fuck this i'm not having this we're two nil down to spurs at home boom get the fuck in there now you the rest of you cunts wake up and win and they did that was one of the one of the five twos wasn't it
1: yeah 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 that was the first five two we were two nil down mm. uh, and he just transformed transformed the game really the, the sheer force of the girls seem to sort of unsettle spurs. I mean, uh, Giroud's contributed plenty.
0: Yeah. he's. A, I mean, he's probably the best player in the air in the Premier League. I mean, who else yeah. is scoring those headers?
1: I mean, uh, yeah, I think the only one who really can rival him is, is well, I mean, if he was fit ever, Andy Carroll potentially. Yeah. Uh, but he's not
0: fit ever. So yeah, I think apart, from, right. apart from when we face West Ham.
1: Yeah, I'm sure, he'll be, I'm sure he'll be there. fit
0: next week or the week after when we play them, and then he'll be out for another 18 months. Uh, yeah, of injury. yeah. But, yeah, no, Giroud scored some great headers. Uh, there was one against Newcastle. Was that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good header. That was a pretty brilliant one. And uh, even the one he scored the other week against uh, Sunderland. Um,
1: I liked that. That had something off the plat to it, I guess, in some respects. Yeah. The way yeah. he sort of met that. He
0: guided um, it. So there we go. There's some pretty decent ones on that list. We've forgotten plenty, so no doubt people will, will treat them at us. Ha, um, when's the last time we scored a diving header?
1: I always think of, do you know diving headers? I always think of Ashley Cole against Dynamo Kiev. Mm. Uh, do you remember to get yeah.
0: out of the group stage of the Champions and League? And there was, what, about three minutes left in the game, something like that? Yeah. 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 That was a good one. So I can't remember. I love a diving header. I always feel like diving headers should be like goal and a half. Should get an yeah. extra point for, for diving headers. I um, agree with you. So yeah, if uh, anyone can think of a good diving header, uh please uh please let us know. They're always welcome. Yeah, that Ashley Carl one definitely was a was a big moment. Mm.
1: Um Oh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. I mean, I love a headed goal. I love a headed goal. So do sort I. Sort of, you know, as Arsenal fans, we, we don't necessarily get too many of them. Am I right in and hearing that we haven't conceded one yet this season in the Premier League?
0: That is what they said just as Manchester United stood over yeah. the free kick <laughs> towards the end that, that Rooney was taking. Um, and, uh, I, I was, my I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Why did you say that? That's Martin Tyler. You know, uh, Arsenal, Arsenal have not conceded a headed goal and then... Now they have! Yeah. He's like, you fucker. He's trying to set up stuff for himself. I know, of course he is. But, I mean, yeah, that feels
1: remarkable, really.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, final Very one. Final one. This Go comes on. from um, Bar Emo Ama on Facebook. And he says, Can you people call me to come and play for defence? I can bench anybody in Arsenal defence.
1: He might have a chance with Jenkinson. Um, (laughs) can we call him I mean I don't think we we can if we had his number we would we would yeah,
0: but we don't have the authority really do we no we can't necessarily call you and say you're in mate you're starting on Wednesday against PSG it's
1: all got to go through the manager really Mm. but he's probably on Facebook Arsene Wenger yeah for sure I mean I'm sure he's probably using a slightly different name you know Arsenal Wenger or something, so no one will find him. <laughs> but if you can if you can if what's the guy's name who's messaged in? Bar Emo Amma. Okay. Well Bar Emo Amma. If you get in touch with Arson, he's he's your guy really. Yeah. I'd love to think that any of our discussions about the starting lineup held any sway whatsoever,
0: but sadly, they don't. They don't. No. He 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 basically decides. So yeah, just follow him on, on uh on Facebook, send him some weird messages. Pictures of your, your body, perhaps? <laughs> and
1: tell him you're a right-back. That is the area at the moment. If you yeah. want to get a game, that's where that, you know... If Machu dabushi has been, you know, called back in from the cold... It tells you that we're in, we're
0: in some need, by that certainly are. All right, well, look, uh, we're going to leave it there, uh, but we will see you hopefully on Thursday at the Garage in Highbury and Islington. Remember, tickets—very few of them left. You can get them from myticket.co.uk. Uh, just search for Arscast. You can get your tickets there. Uh, we hope to see you there on Thursday uh, for uh, uh, what we hope as well will be a, a celebrity celebra- celebratory show uh, after a win against. Uh, PSG when Bar-Imo Ama scores the winning goal, having Rampage down the right-hand side. A Uh, rewarding run from right back. Yeah, (laughs) exactly, like Cafu or someone like that. Um, So we'll do that. We'll see you on Thursday. That show will be recorded live, and that will be the Arsecast uh, for Friday. Uh, So that will be up and about on Friday morning for you. So if you can't make the show, you can hear it on Friday morning. So uh, until then, uh, have a good one. Bye-bye.